Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast. This is Denise Green, and I am your host, and I am so excited for you to be here with me on this topic, this very fun and necessary topic. I'm going to talk today about giving what I call brain-safe feedback, and what I mean by that is giving somebody corrective feedback in a way that makes it actually get through their context into their brain so they are more likely to actually change their behavior. And this is actually easier said than done. It's just the problem is most of us have learned and been conditioned to give feedback in ways that do the opposite, that put people's brain in a threat state. So you're going to learn that you have a lot of bad habits when it comes to this, and you're going to learn how to fix those relatively easily. And whether you are a manager, a corporate leader, or somebody in the world who just wants to be more skillful at giving anybody corrective feedback, this podcast will have something for you. And we will be incorporating things that we've talked about in prior podcasts, but don't worry if you haven't listened to those, you will be just fine because I'll give you just enough context to know what we're talking about and be able to apply it immediately. So when I give talks to groups, and I ask people to raise their hand if they actually like receiving feedback. I would say about 2% of the room raises their hand. Now, some might think these people are freaks. Seriously, you like getting feedback? But what they have done is they have conditioned their brains to see feedback as pleasure and the lack of feedback as pain. Whereas most of us feel pain when we receive feedback. But the people who love feedback know that it's the best way to grow. How on earth are you going to know what's working and what's not working if you don't calibrate it with other people? And as you may recall from prior podcasts, it's all about pain and pleasure when it comes to your brain. And avoiding pain is the much, much bigger motivator than seeking pleasure. So most of us don't ask for feedback. And when we give it, we assume we're causing pain to others, so we'd rather not do that either. And then we're not growing, and the people around us aren't growing. Now, there are times when it is a terrible idea to give feedback, and I'm going to talk about those later, so hold on. So even though feedback is a gift, sometimes it's not worth giving it. And I can't wait to talk about that later in the episode, but for now, I'm going to give you a simple framework that I use with all of my clients for saying all you need to say in less than 45 seconds. So why does it matter that we stop talking after at least 45 seconds? Well, if you're droning on, what do you think is happening in their brain? Do you think they're really listening to you? No, they're not listening. They're planning their retort. They're planning their next vacation. They're planning their revenge, but it is not helping you to keep talking. And that is why you need to plan ahead. You need to know exactly what you're going to say. You need to make it very succinct and then turn it over to them. Yes, you're not going to run away. You're going to turn it over to them. 
and hear what they think. And this is not going to be intuitive, but it works. It works all the time. So before we talk about the techniques, the first thing you need to do is change your mindset about feedback. So one of the reasons we don't give it is that we worry that it will hurt somebody's feelings. And why do we worry about that? Is it just because we're good people and we don't want people to be in pain? Maybe. It's also because we don't want people to be mad at us or take revenge on us or talk bad about us. So when we go into one of these conversations with worry, what do you think that does to the energy of the conversation? What do you think that does to the mental state of the person? You know, if we're trying to protect somebody from being hurt and we go into a conversation like, hi, Sally, how are you? Why don't you take a seat? I have something I want to talk to you about. I need to give you some feedback. What is Sally thinking now? Sally's thinking she's going to be fired. Sally's thinking you're a jerk. Sally's thinking, can I please get out of here? But Sally is putting on her mental energetic Kevlar, readying, readying herself for the worst, for battle. So please don't do that. And the easiest way to not do that is to actually change your mindset that this is not going to hurt Sally. Sally is a strong, capable human being, and you have a good relationship with Sally, and you are about to give her a gift. And you're going to do it skillfully so it feels like a gift. So people in my work, I get to give people feedback all the time. And sometimes I get to tell people that everybody who works for them thinks they're a jerk. Now, some people might fear that conversation. I think, oh, goody. I might be saving this person's career. I might be saving this person's marriage. I might be saving this person's relationship with their kids and their happiness and their success going forward. How cool is my job? It's awesome. Now, it makes it a little easier for me because I am in contract with people to help them grow. And they know that part of the deal is I'm going to give them feedback. Now, I'm going to adapt my delivery based on the person and based on their style. And that is going to be part of the gift is figuring out what language do I use? Do I swear like a sailor? Do I um, talk softly? What kind of metaphors do I use? Do I use sports metaphors? Uh, what kind of consequences do I name? So I take all that into consideration when I give feedback. But most of all, I consider it a gift and they receive it as a gift. Does it mean it's always easy to hear? No, no. But without it, they realize that the tra trajectory of their life is not going to go in a good direction. So let's talk about the process. So in under 45 seconds, you're going to say all you need to say, and you're going to start it off with a good non-triggering opening. Most of us have been conditioned to open in the worst possible ways. So this model is informed and inspired by David Rock's work, and David Rock, as you may know, is the author of Your Brain at Work, and 
um, basically the founder of the neuroleadership movement. It's also inspired by Susan Scott, author of Fierce Conversations and Fierce Leadership, and her confrontation model. Now, confrontation is kind of like feedback on steroids. I'm going to first talk about just when, you know, somebody's goofed and you want to help them out. So the worst way to open is, can I give you some feedback? There are two things wrong with this question. The first, of is, um, the first is, it's a trick question. I mean, who's going to say no to that other than me? But I'm a smartass. So I might say no, and then what do you do? Um, but there, it's a trick question. They feel like they have to say yes, and already you have taken away their autonomy. You have backed them into a corner and tricked them. The other thing bad about this question, can I give you some feedback, is the word feedback has been ruined. Again, except for those 2% of freaks in the world who think it's a great thing. We have ruined the word feedback to the extent that David Rock says when we hear that word, we might as well be hearing steps in a dark alley. Our brain goes into a threat state. So our brain goes into either fight, flight, or freeze. And none of those are good places for a brain to be in order to receive feedback. So please never, ever, ever again say, can I give you some feedback? The other really bad way to start is to say, so, how do you think that went? Really? This is another trick question, because we can already tell you think it went really poorly. So why don't you just tell me what you think, rather than setting me up to be a liar and tell you that I think it was great, or whatever. So it's a trick question. It doesn't feel good. The only time this question is good is when you genuinely mean it, because you weren't there and you have no clue how it went, and you are genuinely curious. But that is not a feedback conversation. So don't start it off with a trick question or any tricks. Most of us say these things because we've been conditioned to do it or because we are soft pedaling our way into the conversation because we're nervous. So what do you say instead? You can just say, I'd like to talk with you about blank, like the meeting we were just in or that email you sent this morning. And then you say, is this a good time? Why do you say, is this a good time? Maybe it's not. Maybe they're on their way to something and they're not going to be listening to you. Maybe they're going to be sitting there thinking about, oh, here I am sitting with you and I don't have any time, but I feel like I can't say that I don't have time because then you're going to give me feedback about that. So if they don't have enough minutes to talk about this with you, whether it's three minutes or 20 minutes, depending on the severity of the incident, set up a time later. All right, now you're giving them back autonomy and you're making sure that it's still going to happen because you have set a time to do it. And I like saying I'd like to talk with you than talk to you. This is not a talking at conversation. As much as you would like to say it and then be on your way, this is a talking with. You have your perspective, you are going to learn their perspective, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. All right. Next, step two. You are going to describe a specific action with facts, irrefutable facts. So you're not going to say, you never come in on time. Okay, first of all, never is impossible. Never is a trigger word. Never and always are both trigger words, and they're exaggerations. So you are going to say something to the effect of, in the month of May, you came in late by at least 30 minutes 
15 days out of the month of May. All right, that is factual. You can point it out on a time card. You're not going to say, hey, in that meeting, uh, you looked really bored and you fell asleep. No, you're going to say, in that meeting, you had your head on your hands and there was drool coming down the side of your face. Okay, that's specific. I have a camera. I have a picture of it. Okay, I know you're not going to do that, but you see what I mean? You're going to be factual, so you don't get in a debate about assumptions and things that are subjective. Next, you are going to describe the results of that incident, the results of falling asleep in that meeting, the results of coming in late. Now, here's where you can be a little more subjective because this might be something that could happen, but you're not sure. Perhaps you are worried that the leader of the meeting may hold it against them that they fell asleep during your meeting. Uh, you may be concerned that the team is unhappy and resentful that they are coming in late and the team has to pick up the slack while they're gone. So you're going to pick a consequence that you think this person would care about, not a consequence that you care about, and they may be the same thing, but you're going to pick a consequence that matters most to them. Is this going to affect their bonus? People care about that. People care about money. People care about performance reviews and bonuses. Um, nobody wants to wake up and be a failure. So figure out what success looks like to this person and frame it according to that. Some people will care more about relationships and reputation. So frame that consequence for them. You do not have to name a bunch of consequences. You just need to name one that matters to them. Now, very important next step. People may be feeling like you're piling on and you're beating up on them and that you don't think they have good intentions and you don't empathize with their situation. You must express an assumption of good intent. And in order to be sincere, you have to believe it. Again, most people don't wake up wanting to screw up. Everybody wants to be seen as doing a good job. So if nothing else, you can say, I assume that you care about doing a good job. So I'm curious as to what's going on and how I can help. And this takes us to the last step, which is inviting them to share their thoughts. You need to have genuine curiosity or it's going to sound like a fake uh, invitation. And you need to not interrupt them. You need to ask follow-up questions. Say more about that, because they're probably not going to tell you all the reasons why they fell asleep in the meeting until they feel like they can really, really trust you. All right, so let's talk about the different kinds of feedback and when and when not to give them. So sometimes you don't need to go through this Sometimes you can just give a casual tip, a casual observation. Hey, you know, um, I noticed that you accidentally CC'd the CIO on that. I think you meant to CC so-and-so instead, and I know they have very similar email addresses. So, you know, just double-check that next time before you send it out, right? No big deal. Pro probably they're already feeling it, but maybe they didn't notice, so you just want to make a casual um, comment. I have to take an aside here and tell you about the most casual feedback I was ever given um, that some people would think was very crude, but it cracked me up and it was such a gift. I remember it was my very first job. I was at Oracle and a 
very senior person gave me a casual observation about something that could have been very humiliating if I let it. So uh, just a little context, it's my first job out of college. Uh, I was not used to having medical coverage, and I had this old, broken, stained front tooth that I had had since I was seven years old. Uh, wasn't repaired well. It had um, darkened, so I had this half-dark tooth, and I'd just gotten used to it. But people, this was my front tooth. This was one of the first things people saw when they saw my face, and I smiled. And I remember the senior executive pauses. He's looking right at me points at my mouth and says, you know, we have a dental plan. Now, some people might have fainted during that. And I have to admit, my brain did go into freeze mode. And then I laughed. I said, oh my God, we have a dental plan. I totally forgot. We have a dental plan. I'd never had a dental plan in my life. So I got my tooth fixed. And if he hadn't done that, think of all the people that were looking at my tooth and thinking, oh man, I wish she'd fix that. She could be kind of pretty if she'd fix that tooth. But they didn't say anything because they didn't want to hurt my feelings. Ugh, I was so grateful. Now, of course, it wasn't very graceful, but I didn't care. And he knew I was confident enough, or he felt like I was confident enough, that I could handle it. And I did. All right, so you may not have that one, but sometimes we do have sensitive things. And if we just can frame it as a gift, and that it's really not that big of a deal it will all go so much better. So the feedback incident I used the example with, um, we, didn't in, we didn't play a role in creating that incident, but sometimes you will have played a role. And if you don't acknowledge your role, they're going to, or they're going to be thinking about it and resenting you because you had a role in it and you're not owning it. So for example... Maybe you're giving feedback about a meeting that they ran, a big all-day meeting that they ran that you didn't think was planned well, and you didn't like the way the time was used in that meeting. Yet, you skipped the planning meeting that you were invited to, you neglected to review the agenda and the purpose and outcomes for the meeting because you said, you know, I trust you. It's all right. Really? So when you're giving feedback, you better own up to the fact that you played a role by not supporting them enough. When you do that, you make it safer for the whole conversation to happen because you are culpable too. It's not you preaching on high. It's you in the swamp together with them saying, okay, this was my role. This was your role. I'm curious about what else contributed to this, and then let's talk about how we can fix it going forward. Now, I alluded a little bit earlier about confrontation conversations. So that's when it's more serious, when the behavior has been going on for a longer time and the consequences are getting bigger. And this is when you're still going to need to make the environment really safe by assuming good intention, but you are going to have to be extra, extra curious because by this time you are probably really annoyed and you may have let this build up for so long that you now have about 100,000 examples of how this person has done this wrong. You're going to have to be very careful about picking only, at most, three factual, objective examples and sticking to those. If you start adding more things in the conversation 
they're never going to know when you're going to stop. And they are going to go in a serious threat mode and fight you on this. So keep it to your three or fewer most powerful examples. And then you never have to add anything else. You can just go back to those. They're going to know in their head that they've done this 100,000 more times than you're, uh, you're listing right now. So you don't need to pile on. All right. So when do we give feedback and when do we not? A lot of people debate me on this, but you got to trust me. If, speaking of trust, you don't have it, if you don't have a great relationship with this person, do not give them corrective feedback. Why? It will have the opposite effect of what you're trying to do. If they don't trust you, they're going to be listening to you with the faux network in their brain. That is the part of the brain that we listen to when someone is our enemy. And we don't take in, I mean, maybe a few people in the world do, but most of us, when we're listening to an enemy, our brain is closed off to that person, and we are justifying everything that they said and making it wrong. So not only do they not hear it and take it in, but your relationship becomes even worse. So when I coach people about giving feedback, my first question is, what's your relationship like with this person? And if they say, not so good, I say, you better repair the relationship before you ever even attempt to give them feedback. And you better ask them for feedback first and take it really well and thank them. And change based on their feedback. So build the relationship first. Now let's say you do have trust. You can only give feedback when it is in their best interest. So let's say somebody just has a habit that annoys you. So what? That's your fault. That has to do with your instruction manual of how people need to behave around you. You're going to have to get over it. So even if somebody at home doesn't pick up their socks and you've asked them to pick up their socks, uh, you can continue to try and give feedback about that but it's not going to improve your relationship because it's really not necessarily in their best interest. Maybe they like socks on the floor. Maybe they like wearing dirty clothes. Right? Maybe someday you can convince them that it is in their best interest. But really notice, am I giving this because I'm just selfishly wanting them to abide by my instruction manual for how people behave? Or is this an opportunity for me to grow and accept this family member, this friend, this family member's family member, um, is this an opportunity for me to grow and become more fluid in what I feel comfortable with? Or is this really hurting this person? You know, it's one thing if your kid won't do their homework, that is going to probably hurt them in life, hurt their grades, and there's going to be consequences down. Now, whether or not you can come up with the consequence they care about now uh, remains to be seen. But remember, we cannot change people. We can only create an environment where they might choose to change themselves. So the more you can be compassionate, trusting, kind, loving, and genuinely care about what's in their self-interest, the more likely you will create the environment where they will want to change. So if you're not giving feedback, don't beat yourself up. Maybe... You're doing the right thing. Or maybe you're just being a chicken. 
So you need to decide, is this a situation where I have trust? Is this a situation where me giving this person this input would help them, would help their results and their reputation? And then if so, follow the steps. And you will find a template for doing just that on the Brilliance Inc. website in the resources section, brilliancinc.com resources. And if you love this podcast, I would love for you to give us a nice review. And if you would like to become a member of the Work-Life Brilliance tribe and actually get support from me and other people like you who are trying to be their best selves, please come join us in the Academy. You can learn more about it on the website. And I hope you have a beautiful day and that you join me for the next podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope you will join me for the next episode of the Work-Life Brilliance podcast. And if you want help achieving your personal growth, mastering your mind, then please consider joining the Work-Life Brilliance Academy. It is designed to reach you because it is all online, videos, uh, coaching sessions, workbooks, and I'm so excited to make this offering. You can learn more about it at brilliancing.com. And until then, have a beautiful rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at iTunes. 